All right. Now, it was a little bit of a mixed crowd here watching reactions from the back. How many of you do have a grown-up table? A fair, a fair number of us did, at least. So those of you that don't have a grown-up table, I'll quick uh, describe the situation. Uh, there's a kid's table, and there's a grown-up's table. A pretty easy uh, division there. Uh, and uh, the kid's table looks and feels a certain way, has a certain kind of energy, and the adult table has a very different kind of feel. Uh, and so, at least for me growing up, you kind of hit this age around 12, 13, 14, and you kind of start getting annoyed with the younger cousins and their rude noises and their noise and their mess and they're complaining about all the food they don't like. And you're like, I, I'm, I'm old and I'm mature and I'm, I'm so wise because I'm 13 years old. And <laughs> so I should be at the grown-up table. And you finally get the invite and you show up at the grown-up table and it's tedious. <laughs> And it's boring, and they talk about all these grown-up things, uh, but at the same time, you're like, you're kind of proud, like, I'm not with the kids anymore. Uh, but it's not nearly as exciting as, uh, as we think it is. So for those of you that didn't have that as a part of your childhood, uh, you missed out. It's a rite of passage. Um, but uh, we'll come back to that. Today we're going to, uh, well, first of all, welcome. Uh, uh, you never know on a holiday weekend who's going to show up and who's in town, who's out of town. Uh, so I'm glad you all are here. My wife and kids would uh, tune me out pretty quickly if it was just them. Um, so, so I'm grateful to have you here. Uh, my name is Aaron Robertson. I'm one of the elders here at Height, And uh, yeah, I'm just uh, excited to be able to share from the Word uh, this morning. So... If you've been gone or if you're visiting today, we're in the middle of a series on prayer. Uh, and so we're looking at a bunch of different uh, prayers that are throughout Scripture, different people at different points in, in the history of God's people that uh, go before God uh, with, with their prayers. And um, so rather than like an overview of how prayer works or why we pray or some of those things, we're looking at specific prayers uh, offered up to God, and uh, each week is a little bit different than they're not necessarily building uh, a sustained argument or a sustained kind of conversation about what prayer is, but it's really a close-up on, on particular prayers. So uh, each one stands on its own a little bit, but they are all related. They each reveal to us something about who God is and um, who we are and how we can relate to him. And so I'd encourage you to go back and check out uh, some of those past sermons. Um, there we go, on prayers. Uh, but uh, because we're in a series of prayer, one thing we wanted to highlight is uh, the prayer team we have at Hope. And so uh, this is uh, a, a great way for you uh, to either uh, submit prayer requests to be prayed for. We want to uh, pray for the joys and the sorrows, the the decisions and the celebrations, all the things that happen in life. We'd love to be praying for you. And uh, it's a great way for you to join in praying for others in our church family here. Uh, it really is a blessing to uh, share our lives and our faith with one another in this way and encourage one another. So uh, you can see there, chprayer at hopecc.com, or you can email Drew uh, to join that prayer routine. Uh, and um, yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you participate one way or the other. Um, so today, we are looking at a prayer uh, that is offered up by God himself. So offered, uh, this is a prayer of Jesus 
to the Father. Uh, a lot of the other prayers we look like or look at uh, in this series are uh, prayers of believers, of the people of God uh, to, to, to God. This one's a little different because it's God the Son praying to God the Father. Uh, and so the Lord's Prayer, obviously, is the most famous of Jesus' prayer. It's, uh, uh, a lot of you, maybe if you went through confirmation or something like that, would have had to memorize this. There's, uh, I sang a song in a kid's choir that was the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we're looking at one today uh, that doesn't, uh, that isn't quite as easy to sing. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be a doozy. That's an entire chapter. Um, and it's a little bit harder to wrap our heads around. The Lord's Prayer uh, and some of the other prayers we look at are uh, really, they offer kind of a short but deep and a helpful model for our prayers. It kind of represents some of the ways uh, that God's people interact with God. Uh, John 17 is a little bit different uh, because it is very much God, the Son, as the divine uh, part of the Trinity, praying to God the Father. And, and uh, we, we don't quite, uh, can't put ourselves in, in, in Jesus' shoes in this passage. Uh, the Lord's Prayer, it's like, yes, I can repeat all of those lines and, and uh, fill them in with my own uh, desires and needs and, and uh, uh, desire to, to honor God. This one uh, doesn't do that for us. So uh, in, in a way, um, this passage is a little bit like a, a uh, first time sitting at the grown-up table. Right? We're showing up uh, to see the Son and the Father talking in a way and about things that maybe are a little over our head that we can't quite relate to. We haven't experienced uh, what Jesus has experienced. We can't claim the same kind of things that Jesus has claimed. And so uh, I was reminded that being, it being Thanksgiving this week, my daughters had their first time, at least that I remember, uh, being at the grown-up table for a holiday meal. And uh, just to see them there was, was a great joy. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I don't know if the, how well this shows up. You can actually see in the background is the grown-up table. And in the uh, front is the kids' table. You can see the different kinds of energy uh, around there. You can see the, the screaming kid and the movement, and you can almost, like, hear the noise from the picture. And then in the background, the parents are all just kind of politely, you know, there's no mess, there's no movement. It's just a, a calm... Uh, space and uh, you can't quite see here, but uh, you know some of the older, maybe this uh, on this left-hand side here, older kids are like, when am I going to get the invite? Right? When am I going to move up uh, to to the grown-ups? Um, my first experience of this uh, is like such a great validation and recognition of all my own personal growth and maturity, right? Uh, and I showed up and I sit down and I'm immediately out of my depth. Uh, right? Like, I, I felt like I needed to justify my presence because I was mature enough to be there now. And then it's like, oh, I don't really know about the economy. And I, I don't really know much about uh, religion. I, I don't know much about politics. I you know, whatever other boring adult topics were. Uh, and uh, so it turns out that being invited to the grown-up table in, in that context uh, wasn't so much about me being a great conversationalist as it was me not complaining about food and throwing it across the table. Um, and so today's passage is a little bit of uh, kind of a look behind the curtains. It's, it's going to watch God the Father and God the Son interact, and we get to see some things that are, are uh, really unique and beautiful. Um, 
And so uh, we're going to look at this. We're going to read the whole thing. Uh, if you've read, if you're familiar with it, it's called the High Priestly Prayer. Uh, and it's long. It's got so much stuff in it. We're not going to cover it all. And you're going to be left kind of, well, I wanted to hear about that or learn about that. And uh, you can Google that. Uh, no, you can find great resources, sermon series. If there's some, ask, ask a pastor and elder here. Uh, but we're going to zero in on a couple things. But I'm going to read it through here first. After this, Jesus after he said this, uh, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you have granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed to you those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know everything that you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I prayed for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe. By that name you gave me, none has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. They also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one. Oh. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may, may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you. I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. 
All right, so there's a whole lot in there. Uh, there's whole sermon series and books and all sorts of other stuff that could be pulled out of there. A lot of depth and breadth. Uh, we could look at Jesus' claims to be uh, God in here, and divinity is, is the nature of that relationship. You could talk about uh, the giving and receiving of believers that the Father has chosen and given to the Son, and he's given them back to the Father. Um, talk about being sanctified in the truth, or uh, being in the world but not of the world. Um, all of those could easily be the, the sermon today, but what drew my eye uh, was something a little bit different. Uh, as I read and as I meditated on this passage, uh, what, I, what stood out to me was uh, the intimacy and the directness of Jesus' relationship with the Father in this prayer. Um, it, it's just so clear that the, the familiarity, the unity, the uh, bond of love that they share just kind of comes out in just the, the uh, direct way that Jesus is, is praying to the Father. Um, so a lot of other prayers of Jesus, they tend to be ones that uh, we could and that we do repeat ourselves. Um, but this prayer is much more about who Jesus is and what his relationship with God looks like. Uh, we can't talk like Jesus talks in this prayer. Uh, we can't claim the same things he does. Uh, we can't pray as the obedient Savior who has fulfilled God's plan for redemption. Uh, we don't ask for glory for ourselves. Uh, and we don't declare ownership over believers. Um, there's a whole lot in here that we just kind of don't relate to, right? Um, and so as I was reading this passage, oh, this is, this is my grown-ups table here. Uh, see, that's uh, President Obama apparently at a diner with a, with a family. We can see the kids kind of just uh, sitting there. They're, they're there to observe, Right? Uh, they're, not, they're not contributing a whole lot to this conversation, I'd imagine. Can see a bored look on the, the kid on the left hand there. Um, this, this prayer is a little bit that we get the privilege to, to sit in on a conversation between the Father and the Son. Um, we might not identify with whatever President Obama and mom and dad are talking about. We might not have the experience or the wisdom or the knowledge, but we get to see some uh, really beautiful things as Jesus and the, and the Father are in relationship. Um, so I had to kind of take a step back uh, a little bit oops, uh, from this passage uh, to get a better grasp of what was going on. So we're going to actually go back to the beginning of John uh, and look at that. So the beginning of John uh, looks very different than the beginning of the other Gospels. So we're getting into Christmas season. We know this, uh, all the nitty gritty details of shepherds and sheep and uh, virgin birth and traveling to Bethlehem and camels and donkeys and, you know, all the things that end up in our, our nativity scenes. Uh, that's in the other Gospels. John is a, a very different feel to it. It's a sweeping, a cosmic story of Jesus going all the way back before creation. So uh, we're going to take a look at uh, some verses in John 1 and, and kind of look at uh, some things there that actually parallel some of the stuff that we're seeing in John 17. So uh, this isn't the whole passage of John 1, just a couple parts of it, but in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, 
Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. All right. So in John 1 and 17, we get a couple of things that that, that really uh, parallel one another. They, uh, the first one um, here is Jesus, the word, they exist in perfect eternal unity with the Father. Uh, it's a relationship of intimate knowing. And they're, they're forever bound up with one another through all the works of creation and redemption. Uh, Jesus is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. Uh, Jesus with God the Father in perfect unity. Um, in Genesis 2, we actually just get a, a little bit of this in the creation story uh, of, of the kind of intimacy and fellowship uh, that the Father and the Son enjoy. Um, we see that in, with God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and, and being alongside Adam and Eve. But we also see it with Adam and Eve. There's a, a strange tension in the creation story where uh, Adam is alone and, and there's uh, no one alongside him. Um, and, and God creates Adam in his image, but there's something yet to be fulfilled there, something yet to be um, fleshed out. And so Eve comes on the scene, and there's this release of tension as uh, Adam says, this now is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And it's not a, a sexual union that he's talking about. He's, he's talking about uh, this this uh, belonging and this knowing and this being seen and recognized by others that uh, jumps out. And it's this beautiful moment and it's at really the peak of creation. Um, and it's central to, uh, and central to bearing the image of God is the idea that we are made to be with one another and with God. And we're, we're uh, and John 1 and 17 both build on this. Uh, so in this first chapter, uh, we also see John beginning to build a theology that shows the separata- separation between God and the world. Um, God, the Father, inhabits. He's, he's in a space outside the world. And in John's theology and in, in, uh, throughout the book, you see the world uh, isn't just kind of like a physical thing, the globe, the oceans and the mountains and land, uh, but the world is representative of of place of sin and death and pain and sorrow and being apart from God, of not being with God or, or with one another in the way that we're meant to be. Um, and so you see that in that John passage in John 1 where uh, he's coming into the world. He's coming into this place of sorrow and pain. And in John 17, this, they are in this world. I'm not of this world. I'm coming into this world. I don't want them to be removed from the world, but I want them to to be with us. And so this idea that uh, Jesus comes to the world uh, to reveal God's glory, a place of brokenness, of spiritual blindness, of death, Jesus comes in so that people can see. They can see God's glory. Um, and, uh, and that's the, the third thing that uh, John 1 and John 17 both really hit on is uh, Jesus is, is, oops, I didn't go to the next slide. 
Uh, Jesus comes to dwell with us. He literally moves in with us, uh, takes up residence, and he's living and breathing and sleeping and eating with humanity in this world, in this place of, of sorrow and brokenness and pain. Uh, and we heard the word uh, sung on stage already. We'll sing in the weeks ahead. But Jesus actually bears a name that uh, we, we sing, we praise God for, uh, that, that celebrates this. Emmanuel, God with us. God is with us. Uh, and so this, both these John passages uh, bring to mind that he came to be with us forever. God makes God, Jesus makes God known allowing those who believe in him to become children of God. Um, and as I read John 17 this week, that was really helpful for me just to kind of consider like, like this language of the world and all this talk of, of God being, or the Son being with the Father and being in the Father and the Father and the Son and us being in the Son and with the Father and uh, all, all that kind of seems redundant, but there's a weight to that that, that we don't want to miss. Um, another helpful thing in looking at this John 17 prayer uh, is looking at the passages, the chapters just before and just after. So John 17 is, is a prayer that kind of culminates uh, the Lord's Supper and the Passover meal and uh, the, the last few hours the disciples have with Jesus. And so uh, in chapters 3 to 16, 13 to 16, there's a lot of teaching by Jesus to the disciples. They're in the upper room and he's uh, saying a lot of different things again. Uh, but over and over in a couple different ways, he talks about I have been with you. I have shown these things to you so that you may know the Father. I want you to abide in me. I want you to see the Father's glory. I want you to um, know that I am with you. I'm promising the Holy Spirit who will be with you. All this language of God being with his disciples. And then he alternates to this really bummer news uh, that the disciples probably didn't believe, right? Uh, that he's going to be betrayed, that he's going to be abandoned, he's going to be denied, rejected, and left alone. Uh, so he's saying, I'll be with you, you're going to leave me, you're going to reject me, you're going to deny me, but the Holy Spirit's coming. Uh, and and uh, at the end of chapter 16, he actually says, I'm saying all these things so you might have peace. It's right after he's told them, y'all going to do me wrong, right? Y'all going to walk away, and I want you to have peace. I know that that's going to happen. I know what's going to happen, and I still love you, and I'm still moving ahead with this. Um, and that back and forth really is a, a kind of an interesting dynamic in those passages. It's, like, it's kind of like, you're told you're going to do the worst thing you could imagine doing, like abandoning this man that you followed, and he's still going to love me. Uh, it's crazy, right? Um, and then uh, right after chapter 17, right after this prayer of Jesus, within a chapter, Jesus, all of his predictions have come true. He's betrayed by Judas. He's, the disciples are scattered. They abandon him. Peter denies him three times. He's brought before the high priest. He's brought before Pilate, and he's utterly alone. The people that he was with are gone. Um, and so you see this prayer of, of John 17. You see Jesus, and uh, it's in this backstory of, of Jesus knowing what's coming. He's predicted it, and within a chapter after, it happens. Um, this, this prayer 
in that context has such a heart-wrenching tone to it because he's just talked about all of this scorn and shame, all this betrayal, all this hard stuff from the people he loves. And then it happens, and he's praying, God, be with them, protect them. God, I have been with them. I've completed everything you've asked. I've made you known. Uh, and, and I want them to experience the love that we have. I want to be with them. And it's bookended by these predictions and then this actualization of all this pain. Um, and so Jesus, I imagine, with this prayer, he's, uh, he's preparing his heart and mind for what he knows is going to come in chapter 18. He's grounding himself as he talks about, I am with you, Father. I have done what you've asked. It's because of our love. We want to be with them. I want to see them out of this world with us. Um, he's, he's grounding himself in his intimacy with God and his joyful obedience to the Father. He's reminding himself that both the glories given to him and the believers entrusted to him uh, came from the Father, and, and so they're secure. Uh, and it's Jesus grounding himself over and over in a bunch of different ways in this relational beauty that he has with the Father, knowing that that will create this relational beauty with us. Um, and it's crazy that in such a context, uh, he prays this kind of prayer. There's no bitterness, there's no resentment, there's no disgust at the disciples' behavior that he knows is coming. Uh, there's no anger at God for why, could, why did you, why do I have to? It's uh, God be with them as we are with me. Uh, just this heavy reliance on, on the Father. Um, and so Jesus finishes this prayer in chapter 17 and uh, goes out to the garden and a garrison of troops shows up. And uh, that journey of pain and suffering for him begins. Um, as we look at uh, kind of the context of chapter 18 and, and this prayer, there's uh, one other thing that, that is worth looking at. Uh, as Jesus is on the cross, he's betrayed, he's alone, he's mocked, he's scourged, uh, he's nearing death. And even at that moment, he prays on the behalf of others asking for their forgiveness. They know not what they do. Uh, and as the moment approaches where he's breathing his last, uh, he goes to a place and experiences something that none of us who trust in Christ will ever have to go through. Uh, so in that moment of torment and death, Jesus calls out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At the end, he is utterly abandoned. He's forsaken, uh, cast out and separate from God. It's a place of torment and, and terror, and it's like the definition of hell itself, to be separated from God, to not be with God. Um, and so that's right after this prayer of, I know God is with me, even when they walk away. But Jesus goes to that place where he's cast out. Uh, and at the same moment that he's crying that out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He breathes his last, and across town, in the temple, place known as the Holy of Holies is marked off by this curtain. It's a separation of God from the world. It's a separation of God's holiness and beauty and glory from the brokenness and the pain and sinfulness of the world. Uh, and as he breathes his last, 
the temple curtain tears in two. This place that was separated from God all of a sudden becomes open. The, the, the barrier that kept us from being with God, from being in the meeting place of God, opens up. So Jesus cries out, why have you forsaken me? I'm utterly alone. And in that moment, we see the temple curtain tear in two, demonstrating something new that we now can come in to be with God. Um, and uh, it's just this incredible scene of Jesus' agony of loneliness, of separation, and this glorious moment where all of a sudden we're ushered in uh, to the Holy of Holies, to the meeting place of God. Um, and it's just a tremendous thing. Um, and Jesus becomes alone so that we would never be alone. He goes to that place so we never have to. God is with us. Uh, and it's such a tremendous encouragement throughout this prayer that Jesus over and over again is pointing us to his own intimacy, his own being with God to show that we too can be with him in that same way. Um, and the end of John 17 uh, ends just beautifully, just kind of echoes this, this uh, love for us in the face of his abandonment on the cross. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and you have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. He proceeds to leave the upper room and go to the garden and he knows it's coming and he's betrayed and denied and abandoned and that's his prayer. That's his prayer for us in that moment uh, when he sees that coming. Um, so there's a whole lot in this prayer. Like, we don't have to go where Jesus is going uh, because he went there for us. Uh, and so as I reflected on this prayer this week, there's a couple of things that really uh, stood out to me, looking at Jesus' prayer, his intimacy, his fellowship with the Father, looking at the, the tenderness, the directness, the honesty that they shared with one another. Um, I got a couple of things that really stood out to me. Um, about, uh, about this prayer, about this passage. So, uh, fancy words and elaborate thoughts are no replacement for honesty and intimacy. Uh, Jesus demonstrates in this prayer a familiarity with the Father uh, that we are meant to pursue. Uh, this isn't a prayer of uh, looking good. This isn't a prayer of uh, fancy words. It's just a 
I know you, Father, and you know me, and I want to be with you, and you want to be with me. Uh, it doesn't take uh, all sorts of big words. It doesn't take um, something fancy or something elaborate to, to do that. It, it's just a, uh, um, a familiar, just a knowing and being with God. Uh, and you see Jesus, as he's in this context and he's praying this prayer, he's repeating, he's, he's not actually talking about what will come. He has some of those moments, but a lot of the prayer is, here's what I have done, and here's who I am, and here's who you and I are together. Uh, prayer often should be about just declaring the truth of who God is and who we are in relationship to with him, to ground ourselves, to remind ourselves of what God has already done. Um, and Jesus, in this prayer, he's reciting many aspects of his ministry and his relationship with the Father uh, to embolden him for what's coming on the cross. Uh, third, uh, to know and be with the Father, we must know and be with the Son. Uh, when we see and believe in Jesus, we come to know and glorify the Father. Uh, abiding in Christ and being with him, that, that is the great reward. Um, in the beginning of the prayer, it says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you. That is the great reward, that we be with God. Um, and so prayer is, is, is this chance to be with God. And uh, that's the last point. Prayer, ultimately, it's an act, and it's a demonstration of love. Uh, it, it's a chance for us to be with God and for God to be with us in, in a beautiful way. It's about acknowledging intimacy and fellowship. You see Jesus here over and over talking about in me, with me, um, and it's this depth and this beauty. And so prayer, as we consider this series on prayer, as we consider this prayer in particular that uh, has many elements that we can't quite relate to, we can't put ourselves in Jesus' shoes, uh, we can look at it and see that prayer is, is about the relational work of being with God who designed us to be with him. Um, and I actually want to close by looking at Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Um, and here we read about the final reality that Jesus made possible. So it's the consummation of Christ's work, uh, and it's actually the answered prayer of John 17. You read this Revelation 21 passage, and it, it looks like the answered prayers from this, this John 17 prayer. It's being with God. Uh, so this is Revelation 21, uh, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the, older, the old order of things has passed away. God himself will be with them. Um, that's what John 17 is about. That's what John 18 and 19 accomplish, and that's what uh, we get to enjoy forever. Um, as we close here, just a couple of questions. 
Uh, have you believed in him whose love is always unfailingly with those who are his? If you've not had that uh, depth of beauty and joy and hope in your soul from relationship with God, uh, today could be a day. I'd love to uh, have you pray with someone. We've got people that will be praying during communion. Um, does your prayer life look or does it feel like duty? All right, I got to do this. I need to, my devotions aren't, you know, I need, whatever it is, kind of that duty might feel like. Or, or is your prayer life kind of a wish list of, God, I need this, I need this, can you do this? I'd like to see this happen. Um, or is your prayer life one of love and intimacy? Is it being with God? Is it uh, that chance to just sit at the same table and enjoy his presence, to be with God? Um, and last one here, maybe an application point. Uh, we make plans at the holidays to be with loved ones. We just did it this wet last week, probably. Uh, we get out our calendars and we put in times and dates. And uh, Natty had announcements for uh, four different gatherings, times to be with loved ones and with our church family. Um, how are you planning to be with the one who loves you most? Uh, could you pull out your calendar? Could you take the Advent cards from the back and set aside 15 minutes every morning during the Advent season? How are you going to plan to be with the one who loves you most? Um, and that's a challenging one for me because I'm already feeling the weight of like busyness and shopping and you know presents and all this stuff. You got and then piano recitals, all the kids stuff that happens. There's just a lot of things. Uh, that we plan for. Some of them we don't even want to plan for, but we have to, right? Uh, how are we planning to be with God? Um, so I'm going to pray to close here, and then uh, worship team can come up here. Uh, we're going to have some worship now, a chance to respond to God. Worship is another way to be with God, uh, to go before him with our praise, uh, with our adoration, with our thanksgiving. Um, and communion is another way to uh, celebrate God's work, Christ's work on the cross, so that we can be with him. Uh, his body, his blood shed for us so that we can experience that fellowship. Um, so we're going to have a couple songs, uh, and then we've got communion out in the back. Uh, you don't have to be a member here at Hope or, or at any church to, to join us in communion, but we uh, would ask that uh, you know and, and trust in Jesus that you uh, have accepted him as, as Lord and Savior. We'll have prayer people in the back, and um, yeah, we're so grateful. I'm going to pray here, uh, and then we'll worship. Uh, Heavenly Father, um, dwelling place of God will be with man. Uh, you will be our God. We will be your people, uh, and there'll be no more sorrow or pain or tears or death or sin and there'll be no more awkward conversations over holiday tables there'll be no more family tensions to to worry about uh, we'll be with you and that's our great reward father uh, praise you for this prayer of jesus uh, that shows us the depth of your intimacy with him uh, that shows us uh, your love for us, that we would have the same love that you've given to the Son uh, and that he would go to the cross to make sure that we can have that love, Father. Um, just rejoice in that. Pray that this week uh, we would 
um, you would bring to mind all that you've done uh, and that we would just marvel in the fact that you are with us, uh, that we would slow our hearts and our minds and our schedules down uh, to be with you. Uh, We thank you for uh, this morning and this chance to gather and worship and pray uh, and everything else. And uh, ask you to be with us now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.